Well, good morning. This is the fastest way I've ever seen going through my message. So let me close with a word of prayer. <laughs> Wouldn't you like that? We are going to go back. Uh, hold on. Let me turn this back on. I'm going to come back to the church next week to do that to you. <laughs> See how you react. Well, um, it's, a, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a delight to be here. And um, first of all, uh, thank you, uh, all of you at the church for uh, uh, a while ago now, your church voted to uh, adopt us as one of the missionary families from this church. And this has been a uh, uh, very meaningful, very helpful, and thank you so much. Thank you so much. So uh, we don't take it for granted. Um, we, um, my wife sends her love and her hello. She couldn't be with me today, but um, uh, just keep us in prayer because uh, she is probably going to need a knee replacement this year. So uh, that's uh, something that we need to, to pray about and pray for. So keep us in prayer. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about the ministry and about us. I do have a table with books and, and artwork. I am the artist. I very often forget to say it. Uh, and uh, so visit the table when you, uh, uh, when you go to uh, get your salad. Just don't put the salad on the art. But um, just you know, visit the table. I'd love to say hi to you in person. And um, we have books and brochures and artwork. Uh, Chosen People Ministries, if any of you here today don't know who we are, we've been going on for 124 years, and uh, we are in 22 U.S. cities and 18 countries. Uh, I do serve in France. I'm not the director of France. I am on the board of directors of France, and uh, I am the Northwest Regional Director and the, direct, uh, the National Director of Training. Uh, so that keeps me very busy. Very busy and always on the road somewhere. So I thought this would be a perfect time this year because of being so busy to go back to school. So about, uh, well, next week, I think I start a master's program at Dallas Theological Seminary. All online. So I can do it with this little baby here. So it's, uh, it's going to be a few years. It's going to be uh, challenging. Right now I'm looking at Mount Rainier and I'm at the very base. And I go like, I can probably do it. It's going to take time. So uh, pray for studies. Pray also for the funds to come because that's something that I can reimburse out of my missionary uh, support fund, but I have to raise it. So uh, pray that the fund will come. I, it looks like I need to budget an extra $400 a month to pay for the master's over the next three years. And some people have already started to... Uh, uh, Decided that they wanted to help towards that master's degree. So it's something that the Lord is uh, putting on your heart. Talk to me. Um, I would love to, uh, to help you with that. Uh, and by the way, you receive a blue brochure here, Chosen People Ministries brochure. Uh, there is a little bio inside as well as a slip where you can fill out and get our uh, magazine and our, and our monthly prayer letter uh, every month for free. Uh, so, uh, you know, make sure you take a moment to fill tear out that little slip and give it back to me so I can put you on the magazine and prayer letter list. You can also, on that little slip, if you choose to make a donation, you can even use a credit card and make a donation on that slip right there. Uh, also, in a moment, uh, uh, Pastor uh, Gary is going to pass the clipboards. On the clipboards, the one thing that you at least need to do today is to write your name and email and put the word notes next to it. Because if you do that, I'll send you the entire PowerPoint as a PDF, you know, pages. So you won't have to take notes there because 
there's a lot and I'm not going to be able to cover everything. So, do that. You can also, if you don't already receive them, you can get my daily devotional that I send every morning uh, to your email. Uh, and my articles, I just published an article a couple of days ago <coughs> on, uh, on a conference that takes place in Israel, against Israel actually. You, you might want to read that. And uh, the daily devotional, people ask me all the time, how many do you do in advance and uh, how do you, you know, get them generated? Well, the one, if you'd sign up for it, the one you got this morning, I did in my hotel before I came. I do them every day. They're fresh. They're not very long. It's called the one-minute devotional. I'll let you guess how long it takes. <clears throat> they're very short and people like them because they're short. In other words, Olivier, speed up and finish your message. Okay. So that's all that. So you can pass the clipboards and uh, check whatever you, uh, you want to get information on. This is my personal clipboard. By the way, on it, there's also a box for next trip to Israel. I'm taking another group who just came back last October. I'm taking a group of 30 next uh, October 2019 and a year and a half from now. If you want to join us, I still have room. I just started to open the trip. I have plenty of room. I only have four sign-ups so far. But uh, it's because we just started. But they fill up pretty quickly, and it's, very, it's, it's, it's a, a chunk of money, but it's reasonable compared to other trips. So if you want more information, check the box, and I will send you the brochure in an email. Now, this being said, let me open with a word of prayer, and let's get started. <coughs> Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for this uh, loving church who loves my people, loves the country Israel, uh, and most importantly, because they love you and they love the Bible and they read their Bible, Lord. So thank you for, uh, for having me here sharing uh, the word today. And uh, may this be a blessing to you, a blessing to the people. And um, just be with us as we study your word and look at what your plan is for Israel. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. So, are we seeing... Uh, okay, <clears throat> we, uh, can we see it there too? No, we can't. Okay, it died. Oh, I hope I was saved. Okay, so let's see. Is it the way? Yes, it's the way. All right, so you didn't break it. It still works. Okay, <clears throat> so what I want to do today is I want to talk about, you know, we're in the 70th anniversary of Israel. This year is actually uh, a couple of weeks ago because it's on a Jewish calendar. So seven years ago was on May 14th, but we call it May 14th, 1948. But this year was a few, few days prior to that, uh, a few days ago because it, moves with the Jewish calendar. But we are, all year long, there's going to be celebrations. Uh, I think Chosen People Ministries are taking uh, people in different tours and groups of people in July. And I think we have 600 people going. That's just us. So Israel tourism is going to be booming this year. It's interesting that, you know, the, the embassy is coming back to Jerusalem and we have a lot of activity there. But guess what? It's pretty safe. We just know what to do and where to go when we go to Israel. So, uh, but this is the 70th. And I call it against all odds, because really, Israel should not exist. I should not be here today. Jewish people should not exist. It is only by the grace of God that we exist and that we prosper. And, and I just want to uh, say that uh, from the beginning. Now, if you want to look, what we're going to look at today is Israel, um, Israel, past, present, and future. And I'm going to skip a few things there in the message. That's why it's important that you get the notes because I'm going to skip some of, of the details of the, of the PowerPoint, but you'll have it in the notes just for the sake of time. Uh, and um, if you want a summary of Israel, past, present, and future, you can look 
at Romans 9, 10, 11. Chapters Romans 9, 10, 11. So that would be your, you know, each chapter, past, present, future. Uh, but I wanted to develop this a little further, so I'm not even actually going to quote uh, anything from Romans 9, 10, 11, but it's a good place to start. A refresher, read Romans 9, 10, 11, and then look at the notes and then put it all together. So the first thing I would do, I think, would be to always start strong with something very spiritual. So I would quote uh, Charles Crothammer, who's a commentator on uh, Fox News. I'm not even sure he's a believer. But what he said about Israel 20 years ago, actually, uh, is quite uh, powerful. And I think it really uh, describes well what I'm trying to say this morning. Israel is the very embodiment of Jewish continuity. It is the only nation, do we have it on screen? Yes. It is the only nation on earth that inhabits the same land, bears the same name, speaks the same language, worships the same God that it did 3,000 years ago. You dig the soil and you find pottery from Davidic times, coins from the Bar Kokhba uh, time, and 2,000-year-old 2,000-year-old um, scrolls written in a script remarkably like the one that today advertises ice cream at the corner candy store. That's so true. You go to Israel, you see Hebrew. It's a revived language that should be dead. You know, that was not used as a modern language. So this is a good way to describe how God has always had his hands on Israel. And it's not going to stop. Amen. Now, the foundation of all this, and that's the first part of the three parts of this message, is ancient Israel, the biblical foundation. Genesis 12, 1 through 3, the Abrahamic covenant. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go forth from your country and from your relatives, from your father's house, to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Do you believe that? Of course. It's very important. Verse 3 is what I like to call uh, God's foreign policy when it comes to Israel. Blessed you be blessed, cursed you be cursed. Now, this covenant is important not just for Israel. It's important for, it's foundational to a lot of what we read in the Bible. But uh, the Abrahamic covenant, when you look at it, really, when you look at it from Abraham's perspective, it, it it was blind faith. Really, God told Abraham, get up and start walking. Put yourself in Abraham's sandals. Tomorrow morning you get up and God's saying, somehow God speaks to you and he says, start walking. Uh, Okay. Okay, let me set my GPS. No, 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 no. Start walking. But where? Which left, right, north, south? Start walking. That's blind faith. That's I mean, not not so blind faith, but that's faith. Trusting that God was going to direct His path, and He did. So blind faith led into action, led into growth, and then personal blessing and universal blessing. The Abrahamic covenant is very important. What we need to, if you remember, two words about the Abrahamic covenant is unconditional and eternal. Unconditional means that God did not say, if you will, I will. Like the Mosaic Covenant to the Jewish people. If you keep the commandments, how many commandments? Nobody wants to venture that, huh? It's more than 10. 613. It's not easy being Jewish. But I'm under grace now. I don't have to keep those commandments anymore. I'm not under the Mosaic Law. But back then, before Yeshua, before Jesus, if you keep the commandments, I will bless you. I will not discipline you. If you don't keep the commandments, I will discipline you. There's a conditional covenant. This is an unconditional covenant. God said to Abraham, I will. It doesn't matter what you do. I will. Because of who I am. Because of my glory. Because of 
because of being God and choosing to do that. And it's eternal because when he ratified the covenant with Abraham, only the Shekinah glory of God went through the split animals. Even though Abraham was part of the covenant, he did not walk through with the Shekinah glory of God. So there was no chance that Abraham, being a human being, a fallen human being at that, would break the covenant. So it's very important. Why is it important that it's eternal? Because if God changes his mind on something he said was eternal, then he's a, bre- he's a covenant breaker. And if he's a covenant breaker, he's a liar. And if God changes his mind on the Abrahamic covenant, then your salvation might not be secure. He might change his mind on how you get saved. You might have to start speaking French to get saved. A lot of you would be in trouble. Or whatever else God decides. So that's important. It's eternal. It's not going to change. Israel is still in God's plan. Amen? So that's a slap in the face of replacement theology, those who believe that the church has replaced Israel. So let me skip the next few slides to this one. That's a passage in in, in Genesis 15 um, that talks about what land boundaries God is going to to give to Israel, to Jewish people. And since we're talking about Israel today, I want to help define those boundaries, discuss what they are, what they're not. And God says uh, in in verse 18 through 21 of uh, Genesis 15, On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenite and the Kenizzite and the Kadmonite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Rephaim and the Amorite and the Canaanite, and the Gilgashites, and the Jebusite, and the fly-by-night, all these, okay, maybe not the last one, all these are the people groups that God said, they form, they they live on a body of land, a a, a mass of land, that became known as the land of Canaan. Somehow it was not the land of, of, of Gilgashite, it was the land of Canaan. It became known as the land of Canaan. But it's interesting that when you make the boundaries of this, uh, do we have it? Yes. When you do the boundaries, it's a lot bigger. This is what the, 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 the boundaries that God gave Abraham would have never been fulfilled. Are they ever going to be fulfilled? Yes, in the millennial kingdom. They will be fulfilled. Today is just this. You see a little red sliver the size of New Jersey? And this is about twice Texas. So that's the promised land. This is a picture of uh, Theodore Herzl who actually gets it. He says, the area of the Jewish state stretches from the brook of Egypt to the Euphrates. This is basically from smaller to greater. Smaller being this, to greater being the millennial boundaries that will one day be fulfilled. Now, the world today would like you to believe that actually what's happening now is from greater to smaller. The Palestinians say that when in 1946, when the Jews started coming back to, to, to Israel, which actually was before that, was like in the late 1800s. Uh, <clears throat> that, you know, that was Palestine, not Israel. And then in 47, the UN partition of the, the British Palestine partition mandate. Then 49 through 67, less and less Palestinian land. And then today, and that's 08, so we have another 10 years, probably even less. Uh, now, see, this is the Gaza Strip right here on the bottom left. And um, if you just take a look at it, how it was given back to, uh, uh, to the Palestinian Authority uh, a few years ago and what they've made of it. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. They're not into developing. They're into taking the whole land and pushing the Jews into the, um, the ocean. So I want to I look at, because I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later, but um, 
I'm so glad you're bringing lunch today because it's going to be a long day. <clears throat> so let's look, at, let's look at Canaan, okay? Because the land of Canaan. So before being called the land of Israel, it's called the land of Canaan. Now remember, you're getting the notes. Don't, don't try to write everything. You're getting the notes. If you don't have an email, you can't get the notes. So go get a computer today. Canaan, the grandson of Noah, son of Ham. The Canaanites, descendants of Ham, ended up being slaves of Israel. The descendants of Shem. Shem, another son of, of Noah. From Shem, we got the, the Semites, Arabs and Jews. Uh, Genesis 9.25. So he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brothers. The Canaanites ended up being slaves to Israel. Israel did not like Canaan. I think it's because the Canaanites are descendants of Ham and Jews don't like Ham. That's a stretch. That's a stretch. But the Canaanites' immorality was great. And that is why, back then and today, God does not like immorality. God will discipline immorality in strong ways, back then and today. Leviticus 18, 1-3. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You shall not do what is done in the land of Egypt where you, were, where you lived, or, nor are you to do what is done in the land of Canaan where I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. So God told Israel, do not follow after the Canaanites. And they were all destroyed. There actually came to an end in 146 BC at the battle, the Roman battle of Carthage. No more Canaanites. Interesting is that historically we know that the Canaanites have been gone for what? Uh, almost 2,000 years. Uh, 19, uh, yeah, no, no, 2,100 years. More than that. They've been gone. No trace of them. Yet about almost two months ago, Mahmoud Abbas the leader of the Palestinian Authority, who can be trusted because he's in the 13th year of his five-year presidency. So he can be, you know, he's an ethical guy. He said that we are descendants of the Canaanites. Wow, came back from the dead, I guess. Can't be a descendant. They're, they're gone for, for thousands of years. So now the land of Canaan uh, is 165 times in the Old Testament. Genesis, Leviticus, many other books of the, of the Old Testament. Uh, I'll just read Genesis, uh, Leviticus 25, 38. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. I like this one. I'll tell you why. Because every time I see, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And that's used in a lot of different places in the Old Testament. When God speaks to Israel. That is God's way of saying, trust me. I've got credentials. Remember what I did for you in Egypt. Start listing in your own head all the miracles from preserving you in Egypt for 400 years to letting you go to keeping the Egyptians at bay and then to supplying and providing and protecting you in the wilderness all the way to the promised land. Start listing all those miracles and now you think you can't trust me about me giving you the land of Canaan? So I love, the, in, the, in this instance, it's the land of Canaan, but I love when God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. It is as we're saying, just think it through. I've done a lot for you and you, you think you can't trust me? So, land of Canaan, 165 times in the Old Testament. Even in the book of Acts, look at the uh, passage, Acts 13, 13 through 19. At the end of it, when Paul is speaking, he said, for a period, uh, when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan. So, even calls Israel the land of Canaan. Now, what's interesting 
is that a lot of people come to me, not necessarily friends of Israel. They say like, well, you always talk about the land given to the Jews, but uh, you know, they're no better than the Muslims. They want to take over. They want to keep taking land. They want to expand their, their boundaries to, to whatever they can. I mean, it's radical Islam today will, will shoot for a global caliphate. The more they can get, the better. Make the whole earth into a, a, an Islamic caliphate. Caliphate is another word for kingdom. But it's, a, it's an Islamic uh, a, a terminology. When it comes to the Jewish people, we have that little sliver of land in Israel. Eventually, it will be the biblical boundaries, but no more. No more than that, ever. Even if the Jewish people who are not close to have what was promised to Abraham, to them through Abraham, would go for more, could they? The answer is no. Deuteronomy 2, 3, and five, 3 through 5. You have circled this mountain long enough. Now turn north and command the people, saying, You will pass through the territory of your brothers, the son of Esau, who live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you, so be very careful. Do not provoke them. For I will not give you any of their land, even as a little as a footstep, because I've given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. So God is saying, you got the land of Canaan. Deal with it. Don't look for anything else. He says it again, few verses later with the sons of Ammon. Do not harass them. Do not provoke them. For I will not give you any of the land of the sons of Ammon as a possession. So God is telling Israel again, I've given you what I've given you. Trust me, it's going to happen. But don't look for more. Don't look for others. Don't look for more. Look for what I've given you and trust me. That's exactly what God tells Israel. And you know what? That's a principle we can apply to our lives as well. When God blesses you with something, bless him. Thank Him. Praise Him. Don't look for more. Be grateful that you have what God has allowed you to have in your life. They might be more. They might not. But that's God's choice. Amen? The land of Israel, 32 times, 20 times in Israel, in, in Ezekiel, the mention of the land of Israel, okay? Less than the land of Canaan, but it's the same thing. In Ezekiel 20, 42, And you will know that I am the Lord when I bring you into the land of Israel, into the land which I swore to give to your forefathers. Again, which I swore, going back to the Abrahamic covenant, the foundation. Now, Israel is also mentioned in the New Testament, 78 times, 13 books. Sometimes it refers to the land, like in Matthew 2.20, go to the land of Israel. Sometimes it refers to the people, Luke 1.16, the sons of Israel. That word, you know, is either, you know, the people or the land. I tell you one thing it never refers to, is the church. Now, one more thing about names. We need to look at the word Palestine. This is how many times the word Palestine is mentioned in the Bible. Zero. Except in the maps. You know, Palestine in the days of Jesus. Which is a misnomer. Because in the days of Jesus, it was never called Palestine. But it was called Palestine for, for a period of time. And I'd like to bring up the, 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 the fact that I don't have a problem with that. I don't mind calling Israel Palestine. Don't walk out on me. Let me explain what I mean by that and what period of time I mean it's okay to call it Palestine. Palestine from AD 132 to AD 1947-48. Let's set the stage. The destruction of the temple took place in 70 AD. Then we have the diaspora, the dispersion of the Jews all over the world. Every country, even France. Ta-da! I was born in France. Jewish parents. Okay, and Everywhere. The Bar Kokhba revolt in AD 132. Bar Kokhba was a false messiah, 
uh, that many Jewish people followed and realized he was not the Messiah. It was a failed Jewish revolt against Rome. It was bad. It was bloody. It was very destructive. A lot of loss, a lot of destruction. Yet, the Romans, wanting to go one step further, decided we're going to rename Israel and Jerusalem. So, they renamed Israel uh, uh, Palestina and uh, Jerusalem Ayala Capitolina. They basically wanted to further humiliate the Jewish people. Okay? And that name stuck. So it was just to humiliate. There's nothing positive about it. It was just like, we're going to call the country Palestina after the Philistine, the you know, sworn enemies of Israel. It's kind of like Canada going after us and then winning the war and saying, we're going to call the U.S. We're not going to call it the United States of America. We're going to start calling it Lower Canada. Just to humiliate the Americans. It's now Lower Canada. That's it. And it's stuck. Palestina. Palestine. It described a geographical boundary known as Israel. Eretz Israel, the land of Israel. The land of Canaan. The land of Israel, Palestine. Until 1947, no difference. Let me prove it to you. The Palestine Post. This is the day that Israel was reborn as a modern nation. Palestine Post is today the Jerusalem Post, a newspaper in English and Hebrew. This is the Palestine Post. Nobody cared. Palestine, Israel. Look at post stamps. Look at the one on the right. Is a stamp from Tel Aviv, Palestine. Tel Aviv, I think, was, start, was born in 1919 in the suburb of Jaffa in the north of Israel. Uh, it's um, Tel Aviv, Palestine. But Tel Aviv is in Israel. But here it says Tel Aviv, Palestine. Same thing. Look at this one. I actually have a copy of the dictionary. It's a French dictionary from 1939. And 1939 is when Nazi Germany was uh, in charge for a few years. So you've got the swastika German Nazi, the Nazi flag. And here, Palestine on the flag side is the flag of Palestine is blue and white, the colors of the Jewish flag, with a star of David. This doesn't look like Palestine today. It's because this is Israel, Palestine. Nobody cares. It's the same thing. It was just defining a geographical area. Look at this. This is the Palestine flag back then. This is the Palestine flag today. They don't have much in common. There's nothing in common. I would venture to guess that the Palestinian flag has a lot in common with the Jordanian flag. What do you think? Amazing, isn't it? Keep going here. Look at this. Palestine Films presents Israel Reborn. Try that today. But that's like 1948. So I made my my point. Palestine can be describing Israel until 1948. 47-48. 47 is when the mandate was voted in November at the United Nations. May 48 is when the country was reborn, the independence of Israel. Even... uh, uh, even as we look uh, at uh, what some people are saying about, uh, about uh, Palestine, look at this. Um, this member of the PLO, Palestine Liberalization Organization, said the Palestinian people does not exist. Now, this is something that they don't say. Okay? He said this in a Dutch newspaper interview. So it's an interview for the West. He'll say this to his people. He will not say this to the West. Speak of 
two sides of their mouth. But here, the Palestinian people does not exist. The creation of a Palestinian state is only a means for continuing our struggle against the state of Israel for our Arab unity. In reality today, there is no difference between Jordanians, Palestinians, Syrians, and Lebanese. And to this I say, Amen. Right on. I don't agree with PLO very often. Right on. The man is right. I, you probably got killed for that. But um, this, is, this, is, this is true. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the, the modern Israel today is, is facing an enemy that wants to replace, wants to rewrite history, uh, historical revi revisionism. But of course, God still has his hand on Israel. So we looked at uh, the biblical foundation of ancient Israel. We're now into modern Israel, and I call it the miraculous survival of the scapegoat of humanity. It's miraculous that I'm here. Okay? And there's not that many of us. There's like seven, how many people in the world? Seven and a half billion? A lot. More than seven billion. Fifteen million at the most Jewish people today in the world. By the way, before the Holocaust, there was seventeen and a half million. So we still haven't recovered the numbers of pre-Holocaust Jewish global community. Just to, to put a perspective. Another perspective I like, I like to bring that has nothing to do with this, but just to bring to, to understanding of the six million Jews that died in the Holocaust. If we were, as a body here, to take a minute of silence for each of the victims of the six million victims of the, of the Holocaust against Jews, we all would be silent as a group for 11 years. That's a lot of people. Okay. So, the modern... The miraculous survival of the scapegoat of humanity. Look at this. Uh, this is a picture of uh, Israel's first president on the right, President Chaim Weizmann, who presents President Truman with a Torah scroll. Uh, they were friends. They met many times before the partitioning of, of, of uh, British mandate Palestine. And the uh, United Nations voted in November of 47 in favor of the partitioning of British Palestine. And May 48, Ben-Gurion who's not in the picture here, uh, declares the independence of the modern state of Eretz Israel shortly after President Truman recognized Israel. And I have several quotes from uh, President Truman. Uh, I'll read the bottom one. I am proud of my part in the creation of this new state. Our government was the first to recognize the state of Israel. Now, you can look at two bookends. President Truman was the first American president in 48 in, uh, in, in recognizing Israel almost immediately. And that, that, made it, that was a big deal. And November of last year was seven years anniversary of the partitioning at the United Nations. And Vice President Mike Pence spoke and he said, in this room seven years ago, the UN, and I quote, the UN declared to the modern world an ancient truth that the Jewish people have a natural irrevocable right to an independent state in their ancestral and eternal homeland. Could he have squeezed any more important words in that short sentence? I don't think so. He put it all there. I mean, such a short but powerful statement. That's wonderful. So those are the two book ends, recognizing the existence of Israel. And yet, the world wants, much of the world wants to destroy Israel. So let's look at modern Israel for a minute um, from a positive standpoint, how it came about, because it's going to show you the hand of God all throughout. First of all, modern Hebrew. Eliezer ben Yehuda was a Hebrew lexicographer and a newspaper editor largely responsible for reviving modern he the Hebrew into the modern language that it is today. So it's a miracle of survival and revival, the revival of ancient Hebrew, which was just, just used for uh, liturgy and, uh, and, and prayers 
basically, and now it's like the modern language of Israel. It's the same base. It's got new words now, of course, because we're in 2018, but it's, it's the same base of Hebrew. So that's a miracle. You try to revive Latin. It's a dead language, okay? It's useful for some things, but it's not spoken anymore. Um, so that's uh, survival and revival. What about survival and innovation? Drip irrigation, Intel first PC computer, USB thumb drive, uh, all those things, Amazon Kindle, mob, mobile phone technology, Motorola developed its technology in Israel, the very first uh, cell phones. All those things, a social network, several of them were invented in Israel or by Israeli ingenuity. All those things, and that's just a few of the main one. Innovation from Israeli people. And yet we see this movement in the world called BDS, Boycott, Divestment, Sanction. A movement of people started in 2005 by Mahmoud Abbas and another man uh, who, his last name is, uh, uh, I think is Anwar Barghouti, his name. And he is the, in, the, the proponent, the inventor, the, the, the pusher of the boycott movement, boycott, divestment, and sanction. But uh, what's interesting, is he got a PhD from Tel Aviv University. So it's probably not valid. Okay. But that's just a side note. But if the enemies of Israel were sincere and consistent about the boycott of Israel, they would have to do away with many of the inventions and technological advances that have changed our world for the better in the last few decades. Much of the technology of personal computers, cell phones, social networks used by the proponents of the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement would not be available. Next time you talk to somebody who say, we have to boycott Israel, look at them and say, do you have a, do you have a cell phone? Oh, of course I have a cell phone. Can I have it? Why? Because this is an Israeli invention. If you boycott Israel, I, I, that's your choice. Boycott is not a negative thing. But be consistent. See what they say. Give me a computer. But just to start with a cell phone, that probably will make the point. Especially if it's an iPhone 10. They're expensive. <clears throat> okay. So, we'll keep going. How about this? Survival and brilliance. As of 2017, 892 Nobel Prizes have been awarded to individuals of whom 201 or 22.5% were Jews, although the total Jewish population comprises less than 2% of the world population. This means the percentage of Jewish Nobel laureate since it started is at least, wait for it, wait for it, 11,250% above average. We're smart. Those are numbers, okay? I don't have a Nobel Prize, but there's that many within the Jewish community. It's, it's impressive. And yet, we are still, we are still, we continue to be the global scapegoat. Look at all the wars fought against us. We have been at war, the Jewish people in Israel have been at war since 1948. The day after the declaration, six countries, boom, declared war on Israel. Is God watching over Israel? I mean, if you read the story of the Six-Day War, 1960, um, uh, 73 is the Yom Kippur War, 65 is it, what is it, 67, 67, I had a blank, um, 67, the Six-Day War, 48, the Independence War, you know, I should look at my slide, it's there, instead of trying to remember, I put the slide together, it's for something, okay, <laughs> So the uh, Six-Day War, the Yom Kippur War, all those wars, if, if God was not, uh, you, 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 you read the stories about Israel having like a couple of planes against the Egyptians, and it's crazy. 
and we're still here. It's because God is at work behind the scenes. And yet, the world paints a completely different picture, and more and more people are drinking the Kool-Aid. We, the Jews, are the new Nazis of the Middle East. That's what people say. We kill the Palestinians like the Nazis killed the Jews. And they draw cartoons upon cartoons upon cartoons of Palestinians dying like the Jews died in the camps. Like this. Never again on the left is a Jewish man on the barbed wires of Auschwitz with uh, making the, the shape of the, of the swastika, the German swastika. On the right, over again, a poor Palestinian, it's a Gaza on his jacket with a kefia on his head, same shape of the swastika. Now, the, the hatred of the Nazis against the Jews has been transferred onto the Jews towards the Palestinians. That's what the world is buying. You know, Israel is the only democracy in the Middle East. They go out of their way to protect civilians in Israel and in the Palestinian territories. It's just such a bunch of lies. So, a couple more cartoons. So, this is what the world is saying about Israel. God is protecting Israel. God has helped Israel flourish and be what it is. The innovation, the, uh, the, 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 all the, the Nobel Prizes and all the inventions and the Hebrew language and, and the way the country is, is, is growing. If you go to Israel, if you've been to Israel, you know, you know, for a place that was in a desert, it's quite something. But it's by, by, by God's grace. It's God's grace. Nothing else. Yeah. Now, we've looked at the foundation. We looked at what's going on today. A lot of positive, even though the world is pouring a, a lot of negative against Israel. Let's look at the most important part for the next few minutes as we close, let's look at Israel's future, the future of Israel, because it is glorious, my friends. It is glorious. Because God is not finished with Israel, we can expect a glorious destiny for the Jewish state and the Jewish people, with Jerusalem not only as the capital of Israel, but as the center of the world. Now, I'm looking forward to May 14, uh, when uh, the U.S. will move the, uh, uh, the capital of uh, the um, embassy to Jerusalem as the capital of, of Israel. This is going to be interesting to see what happens. What's happening right now is that several countries uh, in South America and in Eastern Europe so far have joined forces saying, we're moving our embassies. Some have already done it. But it's interesting that you don't really hear too much about that. And you're going to hear a lot when America does it because I guess it counts, I don't know. But anyway, uh, so, but some countries are going like, you know, if America does it, it's safe. We can join we can join them. So they've already, even before us, and I, and I think it's going to be a snowball effect. A lot of people are going to say, we're moving. And it, basically, you will know who the friends are. By, you know, that's not the only way, but you'll know by, by that move. Real world peace will be seen uh, in the future because of the return of Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, another name for Yeshua HaMashiach, Yeshua the Messiah. Isaiah 9, 6. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Sar Shalom, Prince of Peace. So let me encourage you with a, a few scriptures uh, uh, from the prophets about the future of Israel, about Israel's restoration. Isaiah 2, verses 2 through 4. Now, this is all speaking of the future. Some people believe that we are, that the millennium is, we are in the millennium. It's not going to be, you know, after the rapture. Uh, there are, you know, I'm millennial and, you know, different theological perspectives. I am pre-everything. I'm pre-trib, pre-millennial. I don't even eat post-cereal because it's not safe. So I'm pre-everything. 
But Isaiah 2, verses 2 through 4, Now it will come about that in the last days the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, Come and let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways and that we may walk in his path. For the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he will judge between the nations and will render decisions for many people and they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations will, lift up, nations will not lift up sword against nation. Never again will they learn war. Are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. We are fighting right and left everywhere in the world. This is a coming time for the future restoration of Israel. Now, with the restoration will come the glorious destiny, the glorious future of Israel. Look at this in Ezekiel 39, verses 25 through 29. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, and I will restore the fortunes of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel, and I will be jealous for my holy name. They will forget their disgrace and all their treachery, which they perpetrated against me when they live securely on their own land, that's Israel, with no one to make them afraid. When I bring them back from the peoples. Now, let me tell you something. God is actually doing this right now. We live incredibly interesting times right now. God is fulfilling pre, the, the prerequisite for the prophecy of Israel coming to a saving knowledge of Yeshua in the land. The prerequisite is that they would be in the land. They're going right now. People from all over the world, Jewish people, from places where they don't really want to leave because it's comfortable, it's, they, 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 they've got roots, they've got investments, they've got family, they've got businesses, whatever. They don't want to leave. They go back to Israel. It's in preparation for what we read in Ezekiel chapter 36 through 39. No, no doubt. In large numbers with friends leading the way because of anti-Semitism. When I bring them back from the peoples and gather them from the lands of their enemies, then I shall be sanctified through them in the sight of the many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord their God because I made them go into exile among the nations and then gathered them again to their own land. And I will leave none of them any longer. I will not hide my face from them any longer, for I will have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel, declares the Lord. And then one more. I mean, this, we can trust that it's going to happen because every prophecy that God spoke that were to happen in the past were fulfilled. So those happening in the future will be fulfilled. We can trust God. He's not going to change his mind. This is what led me to him, by the way. A little book called The Late Great Planet Earth. I had Lindsay. In 1983, I read that book. And I freaked out when I read about the rapture. Didn't want to be separated from my wife. And I read that book and I went, ah, he's talking about those, those things that have been fulfilled. And he's saying, this is going to be in the future. And if God is going through everything in the past, exactly like he promised, why should he not in the future? So I panicked. Well, it was a good thing because I invited him to be my Lord and Savior in 1983. Zechariah 8:20 through 23. Just... Try to do a visual of this. This is this is beautiful. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will yet be it will yet be that peoples will come, even the inhabitants of many cities, the inhabitants of one will go to another, saying, Let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I will also go. So many peoples and mighty nations will come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Listen to this. Picture this. In those days, ten men from all the nations will grasp the garment of a Jew, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. 
that little verse 23 here tells me two things, and I can count on it because God said it. Two things is number one, at some point, the Jewish people will know God personally. That's when all Israel will be saved, which takes place at the end of the seven-year tribulation. But that's a promise from God. But not only that, but the nations, many of them looking not with favor on Israel today and trying to kill the Jews and trying to destroy Israel, at some point will be jealous in a positive way and will want to grab the garment of a Jewish person and walk with them. So there's going to be a reversal of attitude towards Israel in the future, and that's because Israel will be following God. See, Romans 11, 11 says that the Gentiles, that's you, are supposed to make my people jealous. That's what it says there. You're supposed to make my people jealous. Jealous of what? Of the relationship you have with the Jewish Messiah that they don't have yet, not all of them. You're supposed to make him jealous. Many Gentiles, Christians and non-Christians, have made my people angry, not jealous. It's time we change. But there is a day, even beyond that, when the Jews will make the Gentiles jealous of God. That day is coming. Until that day comes, we have work to do. Because until that day comes, any Jewish person who does not know Yeshua, Jesus, and dies, is destined for the lake of fire. There's no special dispensation for the Jews just because we're Jews. Nicodemus thought that. John 3, he went to Jesus that night and said, hey, 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 I'm in, right? I'm a big shot. I'm a, you know, Sanhedrin, a rabbi, teacher of Israel. I said, no, 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 no. Born of the water and born of the spirit. Two births. Natural birth, spiritual birth. And yet, even for a leader of Israel. The Jews, there's a plan of God for us through the ages, but we still need Jesus to get saved. And that's what we do, and that's why you help us do it. So, in wrapping this up in conclusion, don't believe the word conclusion. It's just a word to make you feel like it's almost over. <laughs> you know that from your pastor, right? Shouldn't say that. <clears throat> okay, so in conclusion... Again, those are the, uh, the, the passage in Genesis 15. I just want to remind you because I'm, I'm excited when I look at it. All those different uh, people group that don't exist anymore, but that's the boundaries. Today, that boundary that doesn't exist, what we have today is this, that little black thing here. But in the millennial kingdom, we'll have this. That's bigger. It's, you know, don't look forward to that. So... We're not there yet. We're getting there. But now is the time to make sure we include more Jewish people into that red area. Okay. Past Israel, remember. Present Israel, reach out with the gospel. That's where we are today. And future Israel, rejoice over our glory. We can wait to rejoice with Israel in the future. It's going to happen and we will rejoice with Israel. And we cannot change the past. And there's a lot of good that took place in the past. I mean, I'm not saying we should change the past. But what's behind us is behind us. But we are still in the present. And Israel needs the gospel more than ever. And uh, so and when I say Israel, I mean the Jewish people in, in, in general. And uh, if you get the notes, I get a bunch of different websites that I recommend. And my final thought for today is this. I need you to help me reach my Jewish people with the gospel. To give the message back to the original messengers. Would you join our team? Would you pray? I mean, your church is supporting us. But in every church that supports our ministry, I always have individuals saying, you know what? I want to do it. My family to your family. We need your help. If you think 
today, if you were blessed by this message, if you see truth in this message, we need your help. The time is short. I don't know how much longer we have. The time is short. I was in Indiana six weeks ago, and I sat down with this uh, uh, Orthodox Jewish man. He's a 70-year-old, uh, raised Orthodox religious. He sat down with a Jewish uh, believer, uh, volunteer with Chosen People Ministries, and I was staying with that gentleman, and he's been talking to him for a few months, and then we sat down with him two or three times over the week. I was visiting and speaking in churches, and by the end of the week, that man, Jerry, gave his life to Yeshua. I wrote that in my letter that... If some of you get my letter every month, that's probably the story you read this month in my letter. That, that man uh, ended up giving his life to the Lord. It was incredible to see the last, <clears throat> the last time we met before he prayed. He looked at me and said, Olivier, this is no longer a matter of if. It's just a matter of when. So I looked at him and I said, okay, how about right now? I'll get back to you. The next day he called us. He said, okay, I prayed. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I just I have no reason not to believe. But, you know, we Jews, we're stubborn sometimes, you know, but he's in the kingdom, and this is, let me tell you, stories like this, I wish I had a story like this to give you every month. But with Jewish people, we don't. We don't do the Billy Graham crusades with Jewish people. We work for years, we pray, we witness, and then one day we get a blessing like we did in, in, in Indiana. So we have to be persistent, we have to be patient, and we need you on our team because we can't do it without you. And your church is part of the team already, so... Thank you very much for all this, for listening to, uh, to my rambling. And uh, thank you for your support, your prayers, your friendship. Uh, I want to meet you personally at my table. Uh, let me close with a word of prayer. 